not recording for the show right now. We're just recording for the sake of recording. I don't know that we are <laughs> not recording for the show right now. You never know what's going to be a bit. I mean, last time we did this, we were like recording for an hour before we even started <laughs> trying yeah. for the show. So anything is fair game, man. of WTF Anime, the show that is a loose cannon. I'm of course your host Joe, and joining me as ever, I need your badge and your gun. But I get results! <laughs> hey Joe, what's up? And hey everybody! <laughs> I don't know, just doing the usual bit of doing this whole bit for a second time. Yeah! Yeah, I, I totally didn't pass out in a sickness coma the first time we tried this, but... The more important fact is that we have a guest with us today. We do. We have the host of Lou Talks Anime, the YouTube channel, and one of the hosts of MangaPod, we have Lou. Say hi, Lou. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name's Lou, and I'm from Lou Talks Anime and MangaPod, things that Joe just said. It's good to be on a show. Big fan. Love WTF Anime. It's a good time. Oh, thanks. You're going to give us feels. Brilliant. Your checks in the mail. Uh, by the way. Okay. <laughs> uh, Look, we can't we can't have an internet celebrity without having to pay him or give him just green skills. So Right. <laughs> I mean I mean I'm being paid in exposure, right? That's what the internet does, right? <laughs> cool. I'm down. I I could write my name on a piece of paper and send it to you if you'd like. Uh hey, you know what? That's, my signature. That's cool. Totally down, Travis. We'll, we'll talk after the show. We'll negotiate. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it done. We'll get it done. Anyways, uh, that out the way, uh, what did we watch today, guys? All right. So, um, I recommended a show that was made by Production IG, and it premiered about five years ago. Uh, the name of the show is Psychopaths, uh, episode one of Psychopaths specifically. Uh, the show was written by Gena Rabucci, who uh, wrote Madoka Magica, which you guys have done an episode on before. Very good show. I like Madoka Magica a lot. And I also like Psychopaths a lot. Um, I kind of figured that uh, before I make you guys, I, at least Travis suffer a little bit. Maybe maybe Joe. I don't know. Next week, I thought I would be nice and recommend something that I think is genuinely amazing. And Psychopaths is certainly that. So yeah, that's what we're watching and or that's what we're talking about today. Hopefully we've already watched it. I've seen it several times. Uh, Hopefully we remembered to watch it. Yeah, I, I did. I, I watched the, the right anime, the right episode number, everything. We got we got this. <laughs> this is very professional, Travis. Uh, well, I try. I, I love Psych- Psychopaths and I'm so glad that it's only condensed into one season and there's never been an extraneous second season. Oh yeah, that no, that, really that doesn't bad. exist. That doesn't exist. And even if it did exist, it would have no correlation or connection to this little masterpiece that we got going on right here. 
you know, since uh, it would have been created by another studio with a different writing staff that doesn't know their ass from their elbow. Oh, that seems like a solid call to just switch up the, the whole creative team. Yeah, you know, once something amazing is made, you have to you have to to replace them with inferior talents. Like that's that's how this works, Travis. I can't disagree with what you're saying. It makes me sad that you're right though. Yes. <laughs> there is a movie though. There is a, a movie that I'm I think it's a sequel. I still haven't seen it. I refused to watch it until I did this episode with you guys. Oh, okay. So, so, uh, so yeah, I'm going to watch that. It's on my shelf. Now the floodgate is open, so you, you may, after we get done recording, go immediately and watch some Psychopaths movie. Hell yeah. Sounds good to me. All right, so uh, let's, let's, let's kick off some Psychopaths, episode one. And we're going to open up on a, a fight scene, actually, between, uh, I don't know how you want to describe this guy, because it, it's not a hockey mask, but it's it certainly got the slasher uh, killer kind of feel. Yeah, no, no, I know, it, I know what you're getting at. Um, but before we get to that fight scene, we have uh, the camera zooming in through the remains of a of a city, and um, we have that landscape, and then it feeds into the actual cityscape in Psychopaths, if memory serves, and um, and then it kind of like the whole point of that shot which is the lead-in to that fight scene, um, is to kind of illustrate that Japan, as it stands, is the last bastion of civilization and is a very advanced society as opposed to everything outside of Japan. Which, I mean, like we're, the first thing we see when we, when we boot up this show is the ruins of other societies. So... Um, we go from that shot into the fight scene uh, where we have one of our main characters fighting off a man in uh, what you said was a, a slasher like movie mask, kind of like a, a Jason Voorhees would wear. Oh, yeah. Chainsaw and all. Yeah, he's swinging around like a chainsaw, buzzsaw type thing. And we see this main character, uh, Kogami, as he'll get named eventually, uh, Try to use this super sophisticated gun, but it doesn't work for strange reasons. <laughs> well, it's technology. Technology is, <laughs> yeah. is clearly out to get us. There, there may be that theme there a little bit underlying. Maybe. You can speculate all you want, Travis. I'm going to. <laughs> so in, instead of shooting him with a gun, he just throws him out of a skyscraper. And as soon as he leaves like the... Because they're not windows, it's this kind of like holographic projection of the outside. Uh, as soon as he leaves like where a window would be, he's then able to shoot him. And then he explodes, because that's what the guns do in this show. Yeah, holy <laughs> shit. Can we talk about lethal weaponry in this show? Like, apparently bullets were just no longer good. We had to straight up turn people into meat balloons that overinflate and pop. That That is current modern uh, ammunition for... For guns, that is. I mean, that's a lethal elimination. I mean, what's more lethal than blowing someone up? <laughs> well, I, I agree, but I'm picturing out in the world that janitor is now a really high paid position because at any given moment you got to pick up people scraps. Nah, man, that's what the robots are for. <laughs> oh, is it, have the robots taken over people scrap duty? I assume so. Let's hope so, because otherwise, I mean, a job that has not traditionally been glamorous to begin with just got worse. Yeah. 
Like the guns, the guns have two settings: either a paralyzer that in this one episode only works fifty percent of the time, or just turning people into instant meat slurry. Yeah. Yep. They go. They go all Akira for a second, and then they just <laughs> burst into people parts. So after dispatching this cyberpunk, let's just go with Jason X. Jason in space terrorizing a female sleepover in space. There's a man um, who is already my type uh, <laughs> due to silver hair. Uh, walks down some stairs and then proceed like Kogami and him proceed to have the stare that only means you go against my political ideals, but you do that thing with your tongue so good. Was it was it just me projecting? Very much bedroom eyes on both sides. Yeah, they wanted <laughs> yeah. to hate fuck each other real bad. I don't know if it's much hate. Definitely the fucking. Not so much the hate, maybe. <laughs> or maybe it's totally there. Who knows? You don't know. You don't know what they're into. I mean, maybe it happens in the series, Travis. You're the only one that hasn't seen further. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to read Joe's fanfic to figure it out. Look, there's a, there's a lot of stuff you can do with sex things and cyberpunk future. I'm just saying. I believe in you, buddy. Write the weirdest <laughs> shit. I want to be grossed out by seeing you. <laughs> Reach for them stars. I should probably not go into a whole bit about how in Ghost in the Shell they split off into many different fingers and what you could use those fingers for. Oh, That's I true. read the Ghost in the, in the Shell manga for MangaPod once, and um, yep. I noticed something really weird. Uh, I read a scan of that manga, and um, within the first couple chapters, there was an orgy. Uh, so mm-hmm. the major engages in a lesbian orgy that's fueled by cocaine. And that I read the physical hard copy of it. I went to Barnes & Noble the next day, and I just happened to pick up a physical hard copy of the manga. And suspiciously enough, that, that one panel was missing. I was very bothered by say. this. Yeah, it was very strange. What's the wrong with a little coke-fueled uh, sapphic orgy? I mean, come on. I mean, that's just Saturdays around here. Which is weird, because they definitely got that one panel right in the uh, remake uh, earlier this year. Did not see it. I wouldn't know. I haven't seen it. At least if like you listened to anyone on Twitter who was just like, I don't care if this movie is bad. Scarlett Johansson is probably naked in it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is all to say that in this scene that we might go back to, I don't know, it depends how hungry Travis is. <laughs> <laughs> we have... A woman's narration basically saying that these two men are destined to meet each other. Yeah, um, you get the, the, the rivalry sense, the unstoppable force, immovable wall kind of set up. Like, you know, these two are meant to to meet up and it's going to be bad. So then we get like a title splash screen, Psychopaths, just to confirm that you're watching the right anime. And uh, we talked a little bit about this in the first recording, but... Rain and neon lights and, like, just that, like, whole cyberpunk aesthetic is 100% my jam. Oh, they Blade Runner real hard. Yeah. Animated so damn well. Oh, it is. I I, I can take nothing away from the animation. Pretty. Yeah, the integration of uh, CGI and and the, the 2D animation is really well done in this series. Oh, when the paddy wagon pulls up was cool. Yeah. Also, also, uh, the compositing. And and just uh, everything related to the use of light and just um, digital effects work, like all of all of these these different things were just so well implemented in the show. Like the visual presentation, because it's cyberpunk, it has to be like dark and gritty. But it, this show is pretty as shit to look at. 
I yeah. love I love look the look of the show. The character designs, everything about the show looks amazing. I, I almost wonder if that's why, uh, at least in this episode, rain is constantly happening. Just because it conveys more shittiness because it's too pretty. Without the rain, it'd just be like, oh, this is pretty. But it's giving you the sense that it's shitty. I mean, most of the episode does kind of take place in this run-down, like, full-of-homeless apartment complex. Yeah, but it's it's drawn so beautifully that it, I think if you didn't have that that everybody hates walking around outside getting soaked that you it wouldn't convey the misery because you'd be like that's the most beautiful homeless palace I've ever seen. <laughs> hey, it was pretty nice. I'm, I'm sure property values are through the roof. <laughs> well, when you are the only place that has habitable property, as you have mentioned, I feel like you're now at a premium. There's a lot of awful things in this show, but are we ready to talk about the most terrifying thing of all? The fucking peacekeeping hologram robots? <laughs> oh, those things are fucking nightmare fuel. I'm not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> nope. It, it would be one thing if they could consistently project that hologram, uh, but it, like, cracking in and out was unnerving and not not, <laughs> not pleasant to look at. Like, it was well done. <laughs> Like, I think artistically, the ideas were there, and it executed what they wanted them to do, which is make us feel uncomfortable with their presence and existence. But, oh, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, not a fan. Not a fan of them. <laughs> uh, so here we get introduced to the main character, which is uh, Inspector Akane Sunomori. She has interesting facial design. <laughs> Is that what you're gonna go with, Joe? I mean, she looks like stoned. I mean, in a in a futuristic, uh, mostly dystopian cyberpunk setting, yeah, I would imagine that everyone is really heavily me- uh, medicated. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we haven't really gotten into it yet, but uh, Joe, you know the tabletop role-playing game Paranoia. Yeah, this is totally friend computer, and everybody is on all the pacifying drugs all the time. You know it, I know it. Come on. This whole idea of a utopia kind of enforced by a higher-up sort of system is not new, but I feel like it's kind of unique in the way that I don't. I haven't seen like too many anime do this, and if they do, it will be or like most stories are based on like the resistance, uh, and not many just shot from the perspective of like someone who is enforcing these laws. Which is a cool take on it. It'd be like um, if 1984 wasn't written from the perspective of the, the, the proles, you know? If we got some inspector that was uh, kind of breaking away from uh, from his duties and thinking for himself rather than getting on board with Big Brother. So it's it's basically, it's, it's kind of like the plot of Star Wars Episode 7, kind of? A little? <laughs> maybe? Uh, maybe? Maybe that's reaching a little bit. Maybe. I, I can see how they're connected, but I mean, like they're not—they're not living right next door to each other. But the general idea is there. Also, uh, psychopaths, stormtroopers, way more lethal with their weaponry. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man, that's that's just the force protecting people important to the story. Ah, aka plot armor. I get it. Yeah, but I—I th- I mean, I guess that is an interesting comparison because, like, let's talk about Star Wars on our anime podcast. Um. Because the entire idea of the First Order is that they're children indoctrinated and then brainwashed 
depending on who you are, if you've read the Phasma book, she was just like, oh, cool, I get to murder people. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I guess it is someone who has, their whole existence is just been this domineering force and then slight breaking out of that. So I understand that comparison. Good job, Lou. You did it. Yeah, hell yeah. Did it. Proud of me. <laughs> yeah, patting myself on the back. And hey, we, we got to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, which is which is topical. Like like that, I'm sure will help with analytics. It'll be great. <laughs> so hashtag Star Wars. Hashtag Finn X. Hashtag Star Wars is anime. Hashtag <laughs> Chewbacca's the waifu. I don't know. <laughs> Look, there's a bunch uh... of like expanded universe stuff that I would love to see in anime form. Yes. I, I could see that. I could see that. I mean, we have Marvel, like Marvel stuff being done as anime. There are full, full blown, like done by some amazing production studio, like Marvel cartoons. So since Disney owns Marvel, uh, it would not surprise me that we get like Star Wars anime. That could be a thing that exists. Yeah, man. We, we have it. a Marvel and uh, Attack on Titan crossover. What, what else can we get with Star Wars? <laughs> Star Wars right? X. Legend of the Galactic Heroes. There we go. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So we should probably get back to uh, Akane Sunomori uh, and her first day on the job where she's running up late trying to find uh, her captain. And uh, she reports all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And he's like, uh, yeah, sorry, I can't treat you like a newbie. We don't have time to screw around. So here's what's going on. And uh, we are hunting... Uh, what was his name? Uh, Nobuo Okura. Yeah, so he was flagged by a street robot that his psychopaths had gotten out of whack. Um, we'll get a slight explanation. Uh, I, I like that they don't explain everything, because this is a point that like I picked out. Uh, Sunomori is um, she's a trainee, she's like new on the job, but there's a bunch of stuff that I feel like she is very naive, or at least has not been told to her, that for me feels weird, but I understand it from the point of view of, like, this is the first episode, let's explain things to people. Oh, yeah, and we're eventually going to get to the scene where uh, they're talking about, I heard you were number one in the academy, so I'm going to give you some advice. Forget everything that you learned <laughs> in the academy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I guess it's fair, and... It's it's not as eye-rolling as, like, a lot of other shows are, but there are some bits that are just like, this is for you, the audience, but I think Akane should probably know this. Yeah. Yeah, yep. I mean, um, exposition has to be delivered some way, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I figured that in terms of uh, in terms of having an audience surrogate as, uh, as someone that's new at, uh, to the environment, it, it kind of makes sense. But, uh, yeah, you would expect... The people that are going to be handling like these these like compact instruments of murder and like to <laughs> to basically just be you know uh, Judge Dread or uh, what was that other in the in the initial first time we tried to record this podcast what was the other movie that I brought up it was very similar to this a oh, Demolition Man there we go so oh, in all the Stallone classics <laughs> you, you have to you have to but um. But yeah, if if you're gonna do that, you need someone. You need someone as a point of reference for like what the hell is going on. So essentially, from this, we learn that Okamura, um, his psychopath, has gone too cloudy, and so he must be brought in because 
Now he is a latent criminal. The whole point of this show is that there is some sort of system that can determine, due to psych, uh, psychological evaluation, if you will ever commit a crime. And rather than letting people commit crimes, they just bring them in and do certain things to them, or just put them in prison. Or therapy, which is what they said earlier, like yeah, in the episode. Therapy yeah, is one of the mentions. Yeah, it's a, it's got a very minority report kind of feel, like we're going to prevent you from doing crimes before you do the crimes kind of deal. And there's definitely no way to get around it at all. Yeah. Ever. And the system, I'm sure, is never flawed. This is, they're totally dangerous criminals. I mean, like, 100%. Yeah. So a, uh, a pattern wagon shows up, and uh, we get introduced to the enforcers, who are latent criminals that are used to, like, hunt down criminals and the the explanation of them showing up is one of the things where i was just like akane should know who her partners are or that they use latent criminals then they go through this long thing just so um her superior can be shown as the asshole who's just like these people aren't even human they're just beasts used to track other beasts even their code names on the radio is a uh, dog and then a number uh as we start to hunt uh okura but yeah, uh, they're, they're considered less than human, but for whatever reason, here, have a gun and go help hunt other latent <laughs> criminals. Well, I mean, the other side of it is, like, um, Akane and Ginoza, which is her superior, have uh, the authority to make that call of, well, these are latent criminals. Once they become a threat to me or others, I have the power to kill them whenever necessary. They're, the enforcers are, are just tools that are that are afforded freedom because of uh, how useful they are in tracking other latent criminals. So, like, I understand differentiating between uh, enforcers and the inspectors, but um, I think it's also, like, it plays into the hierarchies within the society where, you know, people with uh, with the uh, more clear psychopaths are afforded, I think, greater opportunities than people that, that aren't. Or people that are more likely to be latent criminals. Like, uh, later on, um, as we were going through this, later on, uh, Akane encounters a homeless person whose psychopath is roughly 50 or 40, uh, where they're not perceived as a threat, but they're... Like, you would imagine that her her psychopath... And later on, when to... Uh, later in the show, when you have an opportunity to learn more about what the numbers mean and uh, what numbers you would see for different characters, um, it kind of, like, builds that idea of you know, the, the more level your psychopath, the more in line with what uh, the civil system wants, uh, the more likely you are to achieve at least a modicum of success. I mean, I don't want to spend too much time, like, talking about future episodes, but just, like, the idea of, like, I mean, I guess, like, which came first? Because if you're in a higher up place, if you're better taken care of, the things that would influence you becoming a criminal are far less than someone who is for example, a homeless person. That is true. So there is like, yeah, so there is like this kind of basis of someone who has a lot of money is far less likely to go out and murder someone than homeless guy. But it seems like the kind of cause to the effect is like switched. So like people who have this higher psycho, who have the better psychopaths are like given far more opportunities. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's social control. Yeah. Yeah. So... With, with the enforcers, we get introduced to uh, four of them. We have uh, Kogmi, who we saw earlier. We have a redhead who is... Oh, God. Just 
just rocking those hair clips. Uh, who is just like, I'm the flirty one. <laughs> we have a stern woman who is, I'm the one who doesn't talk. And then we have the older guy who is like, he's not a mentor for his position, but he like kind of understands like Akane definitely needs help. Oh, he's yeah. like, this he's is... the I'm too old for this shit character, <laughs> yeah. which is common oh, in like every cop story. He is, he is the, the hardened, grizzled cop that thinks the system is bullshit, but also knows that he's not going to change the system, for sure. And actually, he's one of my favorite characters, because he's, he's like, let's just go do the thing. He, he, he looks constantly annoyed. Like, he, he was busy reading the paper, and then he had to go do this. I would imagine that it has something to do with the fact that he has a fucking metal hand. Yeah. I would be pretty grumpy <laughs> if I had a metal hand. Oh, lie. yeah, he's seen some shit. That's what the metal hand's telling you. He's seen some shit. He's done things. I love the um, like the device in sci-fi stuff of like someone has like a robot arm or something. And I love in this first episode, like yeah, it's just a guy with a robot hand. There's no explanation to it. Just like lets you draw so many things from like his character and the way he treats Akane as to like why does he have that robot hand though? Because he's grizzled veteran. He's seen and done <laughs> <Yeah>. some shit. <laughs> Cut off his own arm to save a puppy. Or or maybe, you know, maybe he tried to resurrect his dead mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yep, there we go. yep there's, uh, there's another robot just wandering around somewhere that's his brother. Yes. Oh, man, are you... Really? We're, we're going to full metal alchemist this shit? Wait, you know what that is? Uh, yeah. I am <laughs> genuinely impressed, Travis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what that is. Uh... I have kids that like to watch anime, so on occasion, when I'm busy running around dadding and whatnot, I will pick up bits and pieces of certain anime that they're watching. That's a good anime to pick up pieces from. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, from what I've seen, I would, I would watch that shit. It's just uh, that, that ever-present uh, crunch of time. Yeah, especially that one is like 63 episodes long. So <laughs> yeah, that, is, yeah. <laughs> that is a journey. That is a journey then, yeah. Well, I'm I'm gonna have to change the episode that I recommend you we watch for the show then. So let's just put down Dog Edward. Oh, oh, I th I think I saw that one and it was real fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I know oh, exactly you're... the one you're talking about, and I was like, no fucking way! Whoa! Yeah, you let your kids watch that. <laughs> it's alright. It's a scarred for life. You're never going to be able to get a dog. I, I have threatened to sell my children before, and I remind them that they're worth more as parts than they are as a person. Like a car. <laughs> Number one dad. <laughs> Keeps them in line. Who needs Krampus <laughs> when you can sell, <laughs> threaten to part, uh, part them out? Everybody's quiet. It's gotten real dark here. Oh. We're just waiting for the NSA to, like, jump in since, you know. Haven't yet. I'll have to send you a uh, Gendo Ikari uh, number one dad mug now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so, hey, let's talk about the show and the music that kicks in when they pick up the Dominators. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. I actually have this specifically noted. Doling out Dominators, rad as fuck. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, here are these cool guns, and then dubstep. Yeah, it's straight up like uh, you're getting armed in the Matrix kind of soundtrack going on here. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, that music, it fits the setting, but I, I would say it's not tonally consistent with what the scene is supposed to convey. 
So um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna harp on it too much because like that aside, I genuinely love the soundtrack for Psychopaths. Uh, like that the song that we hear at the at the very beginning. Um, I forget which which band it is that does that song. Um, I'm forgetting. Wow, this is this is bad. Anyways, it's okay. We did we didn't already talk about this. I think it's egoist. Uh, it may be egoist. It may be. Uh, oh, it's Ling Ling Tosigure, uh, who actually, if I'm not mistaken, did the ending theme for Attack on Titan season two. Am I? No, I'm wrong. Never mind. It's a different band that has a very similar name. Okay, but yeah, they uh, they did this song in the opening, and I really like it a lot. So it's pretty great. I mean, the music in general is. In this part, it isn't used tonally very well, like you said, but, like, the music as a whole, like, I listen to this soundtrack. Oh, yeah, it's real good. Like, I'll just put it on. It's so good. It's real good. Gives me that cyberpunk hit that I need all of the time. All right, so now we are armed and in pursuit of Okura, so it's time to check in with uh, the guy we're hunting. Am I right? Or do we have a, a scene where they talk before? I can't remember if that's before or after. They have a quick little scene about, like, oh, man, I'm I'm sorry that everything's so rough for you and you're going to have to learn on the fly. Um, and we get a bit more kind of characterization of, um, She's uh, like, Kogami and old man who does have a name, I'm sure. Masaoka <laughs> is his name. Masaoka, yeah. yeah. I may have forgotten the name of that band, but I'm sure shit not forgetting Masaoka. That guy is <laughs> cool as hell. I like that character. Yeah, he's probably one of my favorites in this episode, actually. I like Grizzled Old Man uh, uh, Criminal. Big fan. So, yeah, this scene. um, This scene is gross and I hate it, and I know that's what they were going for. Well, yeah, there's no way that... I mean, it wasn't written over the top. It's it's written so that you're disgusted by this guy, but that's 100% the purpose. So I I guess you could say it was well written. I'll go a step further and say that it wasn't necessarily about him. It was about building sympathy for his victim for what's supposed to happen to her later. Like, oh, I yeah. think ultimately, like, they're drawing the attention to the assailant, but it's more of a bait and switch scenario where, like, yes, he's a piece of shit. We understand that. They're pursuing him. But look at what happens to her, which, again, is something that we'll talk about probably within a few minutes. But, yeah, it's really fucked up. I am not a fan of that scene. It also gives you a good look at, like, um, you know, what, I guess, failing the civil system means. As soon as he's like, I'm a latent criminal, so time to go all out because I'm going to die at some point. That's just how society works. And that was that was one of the interesting things that the scene made me think, is that does the system produce more over-the-top psychopaths because once it's picked you out as you're in trouble you're, you're pretty much done now uh even if you are to get that therapy what kind of life you got after it he he monologues a bit about that about you know it's a, a good job marriage things like that are no longer even an option for me like your life is over once sybil which is the i don't think we ever mentioned sybil is the name of the computer system that monitors everybody uh, throughout uh, the town, uh, decides you're done. There, there's no coming back from that hit, and it. I'm guessing it drives people a little over the edge. They may have been criminals at one point, but it feels like they're extra criminally because you know. What do they have to lose? I yeah. mean, yeah, you might as well go all out. With what the show goes on to be, I 
I think it's interesting that they picked for their first episode to be here is the first example of the Sybil system you see as a viewer, and it like it works perfectly like this person is a criminal. And then when you kind of like peel back what actually happened to this person, you think that it's well, the only reason he's doing this is because some street scanner picked him up. Yep. Some street scanner called him out in public and said, you're going to be a criminal. Yeah, in fact, um, we even get some more look at that uh, later as we're hunting him uh, when uh, Akane and uh, Masuoka are discussing uh, just being criminals and whatnot, and he's like, it can happen to anyone. Like, literally, you're just walking down the street, and guess what? Sybil's decided you're having a bad day. And it's like, ooh, this system is it's a little rough. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we go from that scene to um, Masoka and uh, Akane basically walking through the... Basically, this, like, host of homeless people in this apartment complex. Kogami is like, gone off somewhere. And we, we mentioned earlier, like, she points the gun at a, just a homeless person who is in the street because she's appears to be just terrified of things. Like, the idea of, she looks very much out of her com- comfort zone, which is interesting because we know that she is, like, number one, like, top student. She's probably never been in a place with poor people. And it doesn't seem like there's prejudice there. It's just like that. This is something I've never seen before. And she points a gun at a homeless person, and I just pulled it up. Um, so under 60 is the level that you're not a criminal. She points it at a random person, and it's 52.1. So it's not a target for enforcement, but we're seeing already that like people in lower social status have more of a tendency towards scoring higher. Or maybe or maybe it's that people in that lower social status, uh, status um, are more... Or experiencing more stressors, which is why their psychopaths could be higher. So I would imagine that that the stressors that a uh, homeless person are ex- uh, would experience would um, lead to a more consistent higher rating than someone who has uh, the luxury of you know a, a roof. Is, is getting all their Maslow's hierarchy stuff all met? You know. Yeah. And then like the third option, which is like this guy has a fifty-two point one psychopath rating. He's not going to have any jobs. He's not going to be approved for a home, like, all that shit. I, I love this show, but I fucking hate the society that it takes place in. <laughs> oh, yeah. I feel like I feel like this system is a lot of social commentary. Yep. Which, can't say, I don't hate that. Like, I hate that, but I like that the show is doing that. Like, it's making you confront very uncomfortable ideas. Yes. So she, she tries the gun out on um, Masuoka and... The, um, like, the Dominator itself, like, has this heads-up display in her eyeballs, which basically tells her that, yeah, you can shoot this guy with a uh, non-lethal paralyzer. Yeah. But he's registered under the simple system. Yep, and it takes her aback for a second because she's having a normal conversation with him the whole way through, and she goes, wow, he really is a criminal, but he seems so normal. Yeah. Oh, maybe maybe we're starting to get woke. <laughs> This is where Akane's, like, naivety super works for the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's helping tell the story about and demonstrate that the psychopath's criminality rating doesn't mean that you're a raving lunatic like the first guy you see. It's showing that contrast that just because you have a criminal psychopath's uh, rating or 
criminal coefficient, I should say. That's that's what they keep harping on. In fact, that's the name of the, the first episode is criminal coefficient. Uh, just because you have one doesn't mean that you're a slavering psychopath that's out to, to rape and hurt women like uh, our, our current hunt is all about. Indeed. They have that conversation we mentioned earlier about <laughs> forget everything you know that you learned at the academy. We're on the streets now. Uh, and then uh, Hound 4, which is uh, the gingerhead guy, stumbles across their target. There's like a quick kind of discussion with Genoza about like, how, what's the best way to do this? Like, do I wait for you guys? Or should I like just take him out now? And it's interesting that it's like, Genoza says, stay there, backup will be there. And then like the Hound, this enforcer, just says, okay, but he's doing some really awful and terrible shit. Then Genoza changes his mind, which it just kind of hit me as interesting as because we talk about like these are subordinates they're under him, but at the same time they have a much like to at least Ginoza they have a much better idea of how criminals think, so that is able to change his mind. Yeah, like the enforcers, while not having discretion, can influence the person that does have discretion. Right, they're they're putting their input in on the field to take under advisement. Uh, I think also because we'll get to this later too because he's doing awful and terrible shit, and Ganoza knows how this system works. Uh, and, you know, she's a victim right now, but given enough horrible shit, she's gonna be... Uh, her Her psychopath is going to get all jacked up, too. And the system doesn't uh, care that, oh, you know, you just went through a really traumatic experience. It's like, nope, here's your rating. This is how we deal with you. Yeah, it's that whole thing where, um, where a... A high crime coefficient and a tainted psychopath is something that's contagious and can can influence and affect society in ways that um, Sybil doesn't like. And Sybil feels are a threat to the society itself. So happy thoughts only, kids. Yeah. And it's, it's super cool. We, we get like a little we get a conversation about this. Um, but just like in the narrative right now, um, and for shoots him. But he's on drugs, so the thing that is supposed to take out criminals doesn't work. Which, good job, you guys. Uh, and then his rating changes as someone who is no longer needed in society. So, Lethal Eliminator is activated. And then he jumps out of a window with a hostage. And then, then we get this talk about crime coefficients being contagious. Uh, it starts off with, uh, with Nobuo... Uh, talking to his hostage, just saying like, "Oh, look, my psychopath is super cloudy, but now look at yours. You're just like me." Ah-ha-ha. And then Masaoko and Akane talk about this idea that the youth of today, because of this, because of this utopia of everyone being super zen and like no one wants to be recognized as a criminal, they have a very low like stress tolerance. Mm-hmm. So they are more likely to be influenced by bad shit happening. Which I have to question, if that's the case, why do they let their guns turn people into liquid? Because surely, like, someone sees that and... (laughs) You're having a bad (laughs) day. That can affect people. Joe, it sounds like you're (laughs) implying that people have a say in how society is to conduct itself. (laughs) Yeah. This is a a dystopian future where Sybil decides everything. So... I don't think they have uh, much of a say. Um, or I don't know, maybe Genrobuchi, the writer for this thing, just likes people turn- being turned into liquid. 
Specifically millennials? I think he has a track record for it, so... <laughs> this is a vehicle to voice that hatred of people that can't handle stress. The, these dang young young whippersnappers. If you need a safe space, we're going to make you a slurry. That's what's going to happen to you, millennials. Look, if Genorobuchi ever opens a restaurant and serves avocado toast, never ordering it. I know what's going to happen. I'm going to be paced. <laughs> Waiters are going to come out with a gun. So from there we go to, uh, they have the criminal cornered. Uh, he has the hostage and he demands that they throw away their guns. And then, yeah, we we get this look at what the gun does. Again, because we saw it in the opening. The Dominator, as a weapon in anime, is probably my favorite ranged weapon because of how fucked up it is. It is an awesome, awesome, like, designed weapon that is very destructive. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Dominator as a weapon. And this is pretty fucked up. Like he, Oh, it's real cool. It's real yeah, cool. Like, like Travis said earlier, like it's, it's very much, you know, he goes a little Akira for a second and then he turns into mush. Yep. It's like people is meat balloons and you overinflated it with air and it's going to burst. It's like Super Meat Boy, kind of. If any of you guys have played I, Super I Meat Boy. I don't know. No, no, never played that one. It's it's a game about a sentient ball of meat that dies a lot, and meat goes everywhere. So it's very much like Psychopath. Oh, there you go. I was going to say, like, this guy goes out like Kananga goes out from Live and Let Die. <laughs> I don't know if James Bond is more Travis's purview than video games. <laughs> uh, little little A, little B. So that is to say that uh, the, the case is solved. They murdered this man and turned him into goo. Uh, there's just the count of the hostage who is now covered in blood because a man exploded all over her. Yeah, I don't know what her psychopath's uh, criminal coefficient rating is right now, but I feel like it's just spiked a little. Yep. Now that she's wearing her assailant. <laughs> I mean, it's enough for Masuoka to target her and say, like, we're gonna stun her and bring her in for therapy. And then Akane is like, let's not use violence on this girl who through no fault of her own, has had her psychopath spiked. And Masaoka just says, like, that's just the way Sybil works, yeah, man. Yeah, this is, this is how these things go. I was just following the orders. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so we have the hostage who realizes the situation that she's in, and then she tries to light herself on fire, which seems like a, a, an interesting exit strategy, you know, if you're going to die. I'm not sure burning yourself to death would be any less pleasant than turning into just a exploding pile of meat. I'm not sure which one would be better. Meat explosion seems quicker than than uh, self-emoliation. I mean... These these millennials, they all want, like, long, drawn-out deaths these days. Like, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that trend where they're all lighting themselves on fire. I mean, right? <laughs> uh. So we have... We have, um, like, she escapes into this weird warehouse, and uh, Kogami approaches her to, like, take her out, and she's covered herself in gasoline and has a lighter. And then Akane shows up and is like, don't shoot that woman. Uh, and Kogami says something that is not subtitled. We just get lip flaps, and maybe that will be relevant later. I feel like it will. It seems like it should. Or maybe it never gets referenced, ever. Yeah. yeah. That'd be the worst. So, Akane, there's, like, uh, the sound of the Dominator shot, and Kogami, like, drops to the floor in all of this gasoline. Just half of him, though. So, he's about to become Two-Face, which I'm a big fan of. Yep. 
we realize that Akane has taken out uh, uh, Togami because she just can't let him turn her into meat paste. And now we're, we're trying to talk uh, talk our millennial down off the proverbial ledge. One thing we missed is um, as she's waving this lighter around and Kogami is like close enough, uh, the threat changes so that she is someone who should not be in society anymore. So she should be right. killed. Authorized for lethal. Yeah. So then that whole thing happens. She uh, Akane stuns Kogami and then the threat changes. So she just needs to be brought in for therapy. And then Gizua happens. Yep. Straight up pops her. Shoots that dang woman. So, like, what would have happened to her, you know, before happens to her anyways, which kind of, like, refutes everything that Akane was trying to do. But, you know, whatever. Like, you know, in the end, our our poor victim survives and is uh, taken care of. So, yay. Success. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then Gizua is just like, I want to report about this on my desk by Monday. Yeah, I'm going to need you to explain <laughs> your choices and actions here. And that is Psychopaths Episode 1. Well, we have Akane looking sadly out into the docks, and then the opening theme starts. Uh, the ending theme, rather, starts. Yeah. Which is by Egoist. Ha ha. Yes. So, hey, it, it only took us two attempts at this. Yeah. But we just finished the Psychopaths. We did. We did. We did it, guys. Yeah. Uh, offline, Lou was telling me that this is probably, arguably, the worst episode of the season for uh, Psychopaths. But, you know, it, it's episode one. You're not supposed to crush it at first. That's not how storytelling works. you got to have an arc. Uh, but I have to say, it makes me ask a lot of questions, and I love dystopian future stories anyways. So I was a big fan of this. Awesome. I I'm really happy to hear it. Like, I'm I'm a huge fan of Psychopaths. Um, the reason why I specifically selected this episode is because it's an episode that focuses on world building without really giving much away uh, for the central plot, which I feel like works best if you can talk about it all when you're done. So if you ever have the opportunity to watch all of it, I'd like to talk about the entirety of the show with you, Travis. It would, it would be fun. Yeah, um, if... Ever the schedule allows uh, for me to to go through specifically the first season because that is the one that exists and there are no other seasons, right? Yes, correct. Okay, that's what I, I thought I had been told. Uh, yeah, I will go through season one when I've got to the time, and uh, I don't know if we'll record it or not. Uh, it's in our nature to record when we talk to each other, uh, so possibly. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about some psychopaths. I'm good with that. Cool. Sounds good to me. Uh, so I usually ask this question uh, when we have guest spots, but Lou, even just like watching this first episode or even talking about it, was there anything else like new you pulled from it, or is this just it's psychopaths? Like it gets better. Well, all right. The first time I rewatched the episode for this show was the first time I watched it dubbed. Oh, yeah, that's right. We didn't really talk about that. That was a new experience. Um, I really liked the the original seiyus. Um, for uh for this show, like I think the Japanese voice cast is really excellent at at doing their job for this show. But um, I'm not mad at all with with the dub at all. Like I can't comp- find any fault with it. Uh, they played into the cliches of um what you'd find in a police procedural, but that's what you know. That's what 
this is supposed to be. It's just a slightly different take on it. So I have no real critiques on it. I would like to see uh, Makishima, which is the the silver haired character. I'd like to see more of what his uh, his uh, American voice actor could do. But that aside, like that was my new experience with the show. Is it was just a different voice cast and minor changes in dialogue because translations are fun. Yeah, like I I didn't watch the um I didn't watch the dub for this rewatch, but I I had watched the full series and then watched it dubbed and then watched it sub this time. And yeah, the English dub is fine. It's really all I can say about it. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, I've only ever seen the sub, and it worked out just fine for me, so there we go. Well, do we have anything left to say on Psychopaths, apart from that Travis should watch all of it, and then we need to record him watching all of it? Do it. I'm a good, good lab rat. <laughs> and I'm all set. I, I've said everything I need to say about Psychopaths. Cool. All right. I can't wait for Travis to get into fucking Hannibal murders. <laughs> I'm down with that, yeah. Why, why can't <laughs> yes. we do that? Anyways, uh, if that's the case, it's time for me to do the thing, and then it's time for Lou to surprise us with what we're going to be watching next time. So, that said, next time on WTF Anime. Okay, so we just got finished talking about a police procedural. So, and and this was a very kind recommendation on my my part. I'd like to think Travis seemed to be glowing uh, with enthusiasm this entire time, Joe as well seemed to be very happy with this recommendation. I was. So since we talked about police officers doing their job and arresting and apprehending someone, it only makes sense that we f- go from uh, on the street cops to prison. But we can't do a regular prison because this is anime. So you guys next week are going to be talking about episode two of Prison School. Prison school. Great. My favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and specifically, specifically watch the sub, not the dub. Not a fan of the dub. So that's that's the the little respite that I'm giving you. How you feeling, Joe? You sound like you're a little... Thanks, Lou. Well, allow me to present what would have been the alternatives, okay? All Uh, right. So I had a long list of shows that I was considering... And which is part of the reason why it took so long for me to come on is that I had a long list of shows and I wanted to rewatch every episode that I had in mind to make sure that it was self-contained and and did enough to explain the world of the show and everything. And uh, things that you have avoided were episode nine of Keijo, uh, episode one of Kenzen Robo Diamond Dealer. And I don't know, like there's just way more shows that I had in mind, but something about like going from, from police procedural to prison camp in in a school setting. It just seemed right. So, you're welcome, Joe. <laughs> you had this whole setup, and I thought you were going to say Mad Bull, so we were going to get to talk oh, about... Oh, that was like, another one that grenades. I was considering. No, I was, I was also considering episode one of Mad Bull 34, which, if you follow my Twitter feed, be like a week or so before the initial recording, you'll see that I was tweeting about Mad Bull. Because I was re-watching it to see if... Which, you know... If that was an option, uh, but I figured no, we'll go prison school this time. I will watch I, and talk Mad Bull 34 with you guys at some point, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have a lot of um, a lot of ideas for shows we could watch. I mean, I guess we'll have to rope you in for another episode soon, and yeah. I hope you won't have to do like four passes at it. <laughs> this was a fun time. I am down whenever you guys want. Just let me know. Okay, we can do that. 
So, that said, I guess it's on to business. Joe, you want to do the business? Yeah, cool. I just realized that I have to watch Prison School again. Great. <laughs> it's okay, buddy. I'll be there with you. Thanks. Thanks, Lou. Um, episode two. Remember, episode two. So, if you would like to follow the show on Twitter, we are at WTF Anime Show. And if you want to email us, we are at WTF Anime Show at gmail.com. Use both those avenues to send us recommendations or, you know, just chat to us. We're, we're cool. Yeah, we'll respond. <laughs> Tweet at us. We'll respond. Um, yeah, so send us recommendations. And uh, if you want to be a guest like Lou, uh, we've proven that we'll take literally everyone, uh, even people who aren't anime fans and are now anime fans. We did that. We we did that to you, Jake. We're very proud yeah, of it. You ruined him. You ruined it's him. True. Yeah. <laughs> And if you would like to speak to me personally on Twitter, I'm uh, there at the Joe Hatfield. There you go, uh, buddy. Travis. You remembered your handle. Good job. Uh, shut up. <laughs> what about you, Travis? Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, and remember, if you're tweeting at the show, uh, at WTF Anime Show, that's going to be Joe that's handling that. So you got to include me if you want me part of the conversation. You can hit me at Dicelobber. D-I-C-E-L-O-B-B-E-R. And that said... Lou, why don't you give us some good, good plugs and tell them where they can talk to you? Okay. Uh, if you want to check out the content that I produce for YouTube, uh, my YouTube channel is Lou Talks Anime Now. Uh, if you'd like to talk to me on Twitter, that's at Lou Talks Anime. Uh, if you'd like to watch MangaPod, uh, we broadcast weekly on uh, my good friend Dodger, her Twitch channel, uh, which is twitch.tv slash dexbonus. Uh, if you'd like to watch a video on demand of MangaPod, you can watch it on my other good friend, Happily Aaron's YouTube channel. So that's youtube.com slash Happily Aaron. And speaking of MangaPod, uh, Joe will be joining us in a few weeks or maybe a couple weeks uh, from the release of this episode. And we're going to be talking about Tower of God. So it's if you're into Korean manhua, uh, it's going to be a good time. And, and uh, Tower of God is fucking amazing. It's one of the best things. Bam nice. is a good, good boy. And those those are all the plugs. And again, thank you guys so much for having me on. It was a good time. Oh, please. Anytime you want to come back. We've had a good time, too. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, my dog's going to scrape and, like, I'll just wait to finish plugs until he's done. Hey, <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> he understood that. Yeah, thanks so much for uh, agreeing to be on, Lou, um, and doing it as many times as you have. <laughs> it was a pleasure. Second cha- time's a charm. Come on now. <laughs> I'm just glad we finally got through it and right? no one passed out or died. We're, we're here, though. We're at the end of our journey together for this time. Hooray! Yay! Guess we I'll did s- it. Yeah, we did it. Now we can say bye and we're officially done. Yep. Bye! Bye, everybody. See you next time. Speaking of, recent <laughs> made up yeah, for NXT was great. Adam God Cole. Damn it. I did this to myself. Ah, I it was be so angry good. At no one but me. This is your fault. It's your fault, Travis. You you brought it up, and now my boy is Ring of Honor World Champion. Yeah.
I don't know what that means, but congratulations uh, to your boy. So there's a Oh no, I don't need an explanation. It's, it's cool. No, no. He is 100% a gay icon. Uh he walks to the ring with like dudes in speedos and uh masquerade masks. Um it's very good. You're referring That's... to Dalton Castle. Yep. <laughs> okay. See, Dalton Castle I'm gonna, is something special. I, I'm going to date myself on the last time I remember any wrestling program trying to do anything about uh, any non-heteronormative sexuality, and that was gold dust, and that was real bad. Oh, uh, he's still he's still around. Oh, yep. Oh, that's a thing that still exists, huh? Yeah, like 25 oh, years later. Wow. Well, great. Maybe we can bring back Jim Crow laws too, huh, wrestling? Don't tempt them. <laughs> I'm just saying sometimes they don't handle certain subjects in the most sensitive light. <laughs> not, I will not refute that statement. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they could have done better on a couple of things. Yeah, maybe like Booker T could comment, commentate on a match with Shinsuke Nakamura without doing a very racist Asian accent. Uh, maybe that could be a thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe we yes. could have. Maybe we could have never done Papa Shango. That that seems like it could have. We could have just skipped that one. It was the eighties, man. Yeah, but later he he turns into the Godfather and he has hoes, and all is right with the world. He was rewarded for his efforts, and he actually owns a strip club, by the way. That's oh, yeah. what that's what that's his job now. Like for real in real life, he owns a strip club. That's what he does. Yes, yes, that's funny. Even after becoming the good father and beating up women for heat. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh I I I don't know what I I can't I can't. You did yeah, this I'm, to yourself. I'm broken. I'm broken now. <laughs> Inside I'm broken. So he's Matt Hardy, is what he is. <laughs> well he's not woken yet. No, not yet. <laughs> woken, huh? Yep. Mm. That's that's a thing. It, I, I felt like it was a thing. You both seemed to be on the same page, and I didn't think you were improving that well together this quickly. <laughs> <laughs> this has all been a, an elaborate bit. Like, none of this has ever happened in wrestling. Nope. That'd be amazing. I would be super impressed, but you're full of shit, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Hardy has never declared that he will eat two people's feet. Ever. <laughs> No, I've I've already had Jake on trying to talk to me about the time travel adventures of some guy. So, uh, wait, Archibald Peck, Archibald Peck, yep. <laughs> fucking love Archibald Peck. <laughs> He's great. It doesn't isn't he somehow tangentially related to marching bands as well? Yeah, Marchy Archie, and then he has another persona, Mixed Martial Archie. Mm-hmm. All those I things think are I great. I just threw up a little bit in my mouth. He's like a band guy. That also time travels. That tra- time travels and sometimes does MMA. Yep. Everybody yep. needs hobbies. Yes. A- 
Apparently his are picked by schizophrenics. He time-traveled because he saw that he had died in the next year's Chikara yearbook. So he went back in time and then brought a cowboy with him and then feuded with that cowboy. It's a less coherent Bill and Ted story that's happening before my eyes. The thing is, if you watch it, it makes total sense. It's designed to it's designed to watch like you read a comic book. Oh man. Oh. Whew. I I don't know what to do with some of the information that I gain from doing this show. Travis. I really don't. Can can I Wrestling and anime are very similar in how they handle storytelling. So just process that information and understand the show that you're on right now. I know that, you know, when people ask me what I do for my podcast, a lot of the times I begin the pitch with, have you ever seen MST3K? And they're like, oh, you make fun of movies? I'm like, no, not quite. Um, you know the actual plot that's supposed to be running through the whole series, that they're trapped and being forced to watch things until they find the correct pattern that causes people to go insane? I'm that guy. That's my show. Nice. Yep. We should sync audio. We should. We should. Yeah. <laughs> Look at Lou. Worried about getting your boy fed. I appreciate that. Okay. Oh, I'm also hungry. <laughs> it is six o'clock here, sir. Yes, I am aware. Why is nobody eating? You guys are idiots. <laughs> <laughs>